Well, friends, we have a couple of questions uh, from last week and uh, the week before as well. And uh, it is, of course, a great thing to be here together this morning and I'm delighted you could join us. If you'd like to fill in a response slip, then you can get your questions answered as well. Um, but these are some from last week and the week before, a selection of them, because I didn't have time to answer them all. But the first one is this, why did God lead his people into battle when it's a sin to kill or to murder? Well, uh, not all killing is murder. For example, when you're at war, then if you're told to kill, then that's actually your duty. Uh, and in the situation where one country is being invaded by another country, then it's right to go to war in order to defend that country. Uh, with all that in mind, we need to realise that the time of the judges is very different to the time today. Uh, we as Christians, as we seek to win over the whole of the Valley of Jamboree for Christ, uh, we don't go around with weapons um, and try and kill people. Uh, that's not the way to do it. Um, it's not a very good evangelistic strategy. Uh, we, we go and tell people about Jesus and how wonderful it is to have hope in Christ, to have certainty for eternity and our sins forgiven. Uh, that is how we do it today. Jesus turned, tells us to turn the other cheek and to pray for our enemies. But still, it's valuable to look at all the stuff in Judges. And uh, even though it was a world away from us, uh, we can still learn as we study it. And we're going to do that a bit more this morning. Uh, related to last week, why did Abimelech scatter salt over the ground after he captured the city? Well, not only did he destroy the city, he also wanted to wreck the land. And he did that by putting loads and loads of salt on the ground. And uh, over in Israel, they've got an entire big, huge sea called the Dead Sea, which is basically just salt. And so it wouldn't have been too hard to get that out and wreck the land in a way to stop it being fertile. Question three. Uh, what's going to happen in the end times? Uh, well, this is a non, not a small question, but... Uh, uh, the end times, obviously, is the time at the end of history. Uh, Christians have been living in the end times ever since Jesus ascended into heaven. We've always been waiting for the return for Christ for nearly 2,000 years now. Uh, Jesus spoke about the last days, which is a way to describe what we're, the time we're living in now. But he's also spoken about a last day, and that is the day when Jesus will come back. So what is going to happen around the circumstances of when Jesus returns? Well, amongst Christians, there are different views, uh, at least three. Let me give you the three. And they all relate to an event known as the millennium. Uh, give me a sort of a, a, a gentle nod if you've heard of the term the, the millennium in sort of Christian circles. Yeah, you've heard about it. It it's refers to a thousand year period at the end of history. And we read about it almost exclusively in the third last chapter of the Bible, which is in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 7. When you read those verses, it talks about a thousand year period where Satan is bound up, Jesus reigns over the earth, and then Satan's released and then finally thrown into the fiery lake. Now, the differences between Christians about the, about the end times all relate to how they interpret the millennium. There are three different views, basically. Uh, the first is that Jesus will return, then all Christians, living and dead, will be raised with Christ, then there'll be a seven-year period of tribulation where everything goes horribly bad. Then Jesus comes back and rules with Christians for a thousand years. And at the end of that thousand-year time, Satan, this judgment day, Satan is finally thrown into hell as with those who've rejected Jesus, and that's the end of history. That view is known as pre-millennialism. And that is that the time we're living in now 
is pre that thousand years. Jesus will come and then basically the thousand years kick off. Another view says that the millennium is going to happen before Jesus returns. And so assuming that Jesus returns in the next thousand years, we must be living in the millennium now to some extent where, where Satan is still having an impact and the world is still difficult for Christians and all of that. And then when Jesus comes back, that's the end of history, the judgment day and so on. That view is known as post-millennium because Jesus will return after the millennium. The third view, I hope you're excited about all this theology. It's, it, it's fairly nerdy, but, it, but stick with me on this. The third view says that, that Revelation uses lots of figurative language. And so when it talks about a 1,000-year period of time, it's really just saying a long, long time. And so the 1,000 years may not actually be a literal 1,000 years. It might be a long time. And in fact, as it talks about the, the, this era, I think it is, it, the, 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 this view says that what's talked about in Revelation 20 are picture languages that describes the time between when Jesus left us at the ascension and when he returns at his second coming. Which means that in that, using that sort of scenario, we're in the millennium now and it's about 2,000 years or more long. That view is known as amillennialism. Okay, so what have we got? We've got premillennialism, postmillennialism, amillennialism. Uh, which view is right? Well, Christians around the world have got all different views about these things and they can't all be, this, all be right because they're different. But does it matter that much? Uh, well, yes and no. I, I, John Piper, who's a, a theologian I respect greatly, he, he says this of the differences in opinion. And, and I differ with John Piper on this, uh, on, on his view of the millennium. So there you go. Uh, he says, I have really good friends who hold all three of these positions. And so I'm not going to withhold my fellowship or friendship over these kinds of disagreements. So it's kind of like, well, we'll wait and see, you know. I mean, in, in the end, whether you are a pre-mill, a post-mill, or an a-mill, uh, in the end, we don't know for certain. And that's why I think that the best view to hold of all is the pan-mill, and that is that it will all pan out in the end. My, my personal view is the amillennial view, as you might have picked up from what I was saying, which is also where I, what I was taught at Moore College. But a large number of people in Northern America, in fact, go with the premillennial view. And so we can sort of happily agree to differ and, and learn from each other in all of that and keep, keep trusting God. Uh, related to this, that, that was a long answer to that question, but hopefully these will be shorter, maybe. Can people predict the second coming of Jesus? Kind of not really. Uh, Jesus said that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, which describes an event that you can't prepare for, really, except to make sure that your doors are locked and you're insured. Uh, you might say, well, we know that there'll be lots of wars and natural disasters just before Jesus returns. Well, you look through the last 2,000 years of history, there's been some pretty big wars and there's been some pretty big disasters and yet that didn't mean that Jesus came straight away. So I don't think we can really pick it. The point is, he's coming back soon, like a thief in the night, so be ready. Could come back before morning tea. Who knows? Question five. What is the rapture and the seven years of tribulation? You see, we've got a bit of an interesting sort of series of questions here. Uh, the rapture just means where, well, here you go. It's from the Latin word, rapiamur. No, I didn't know this. I googled it, of course. I don't think I'm that smart. Um, it's a Latin word, rapiamur, 
from the, ver which, the Latin version of the Bible in 1 Thessalonians, which means we'll be caught up. It describes this. It says in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 and 17, that the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangels, the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves, like my nana, who was in Christ. She'll, she'll rise from the grave. She's passed away a while ago. And then together with them, we who are still alive, that's us who are in Christ, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we'll be with the Lord forever. So that the rapture is just what the Bible teaches about what will happen at the moment Jesus returns. Where it gets a bit controversial is what happens then. You see, if you are premillennial, you, you'll say that the Christians go up with Jesus and then there's all these people left behind who don't know Jesus and they're in the mess for the, and then the thousand years and all that sort of stuff. The seven years of tribulation is something else you can find in the book of Revelation, which says that after the rapture, if you're a premillennial, the rapture happens, and then there's seven years of absolute disaster on the earth. And then Jesus comes back and rules for, for, for 1,000 years for the millennium in that way. I personally don't think that there will be a literal seven years of tribulation, nor that there is a literal millennium. I think what the book of Revelation is teaching us is that the time between when Jesus leaves us and gives us his spirit at the time of Acts and the time when he returns, things are going to be hard. They're going to be hard for Christians. Satan will go around messing up the place. But Jesus, has, Jesus rules. And at the end of this big chunk of time, we will see him finally conquer Satan uh, as he has already defeated him at the cross. Question six, it's our second last question. When we pray, your kingdom come, are we praying for the coming of the millennium? Well, kind of. I mean, it depends what you think about the millennium. Uh, see, Jesus' reign was established at the cross when it said, this is the king of the Jews and the sign above his head. Uh, it's clear that Jesus is king. Do we see him being king over all the earth all the time? Not really, because we're in this now but not yet, the already of the kingship of Jesus, but the not yet fully experienced. That's what Christian life is like now, as we sort of half and half. Jesus is king, but we don't experience it fully. So when we pray your kingdom come, uh, we are praying today for the return of Christ, when we will fully experience the, every aspect of the kingdom of Christ, even though he already rules. And finally, question seven, which is not related specifically to end times. How, do you, how can you rebuke someone if they won't listen? The only reason you rebuke somebody is for their good. Uh, if somebody is, going, is doing something that is harmful to themselves or to others, we want to say to them, we love you and others so much, we want to tell you you've got to stop that. And they might say, well, I don't want to listen to you. I'm not interested in that. What do you do? Keep praying for them. Keep loving them. And keep having opportunities to try and care for them in that way. Uh, the book of Proverbs gives us lots of helpful things in this. Uh, in Proverbs 9, 7 says, Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. So watch out who you rebuke. But at the same time, 17, 10, A single rebuke does more for a person of understanding than a hundred lashes on the back of a fool. So if you do rebuke somebody who is open for that because they're a believer in Christ and they hear it, then it is a great gift to them. Ripper questions, aren't they? Thank you for those. And there are a few more in the bank from last week because we're overflowing and a few more from last night. So why don't you add some more? You can do that by asking questions or just chat to me over morning tea and I'll be happy to write down your questions and answer them.